on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I found that by doubling down on your strengths, it's much more powerful than trying to improve your weaknesses and get them back up to an average. Because right. whatever it was that got you there, which was your strength, that's what you need to focus on. Honestly, right. we have people that have 30 years of experience that are leading those teams. And you want to learn, of course, you want to yeah. know what it is that they're doing, of course. It wouldn't be a good use of my time to try to jump in and be the expert in all of those areas. So I would just say focus on your strengths, surround yourself with good people that can fill in the gaps. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Noah Bashir here on the King stage. My brother, Noah, how you doing? Great, Chaz. How are you? I'm good, man. You know, it's it's a little bit odd that we're both Kansas City guys, but we're not like in person. I have, you know, plenty of Kansas City guys here on the on the stage, but I'm not even in Kansas City today. You can see I'm in like a hotel trying to do this thing from the mobile unit, but I appreciate you being here and I'm excited to to hear not only just your story, but you've got like a multi-generational story. And so for the listeners out there that are first generation business owners like me and trying to like put the wheels in motion, I love talking to guys like you because you think like my grandchildren are going to think, <laughs> which gets me really excited. I'm a legacy guy. So appreciate you being here. Noah, tell us what kind of business that you have. Sure. So yeah, we're in Kansas City, Missouri, and we're a pest control and lawn care company. So there's a few things that kind of make us unique. For one, we were started in 1950. So my great-grandpa started the company. Wow. Uh, my grandpa ran the company, and then my dad's been running the company for the last 40 years. And honestly, I told myself I'd never get into it. Went my own path with the marketing and social media. And a few years ago, my dad and my grandpa kind of called a family meeting and said, we need to figure out what we want to do with the business. Do we want to sell the business? And my dad's like, I really would love Noah to, to start running it if he's interested. And, you know, I was getting a little bit burned out on my corporate path. Right. And I said, you know, I think this is actually going to be perfect for me right now in my life. So, so we've been in business for 73 years in Kansas City. Pest control, we started our lawn care sector about 15 years ago. And honestly, it's been a lot by word of mouth. So, you know, Chaz yeah. lives in city he had said he hadn't heard of us much and that's common and that's okay so you know we're trying to go a lot louder with our marketing now and then the other thing that makes us unique is our sustainability efforts okay. so our office building and our garage are both solar powered and we're transitioning to all electric vehicles so you know two years ago we started getting teslas as our service vehicles wow. so we'll pull up to customers houses in teslas and they'll say what are you doing you know why are you in a tesla so it's it's a nice conversation starter with customers. We do as many green treatments as possible. So we're not pumping as much chemical into the environment, just what we need to take care of people's bug issues, but use as, you know, natural of products as we can. 
go paperless. So, you know, that's, that's kind of unique for our industry because sometimes we get a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I'm just kind of spraying, spraying the world with chemicals is, is what the maybe general thought is. And so that's, that's incredible that you guys are taking that. I, I love the, I love the Tesla. We're gonna have to jump into that and, and see what marketing that's been doing for you. Cause I can't imagine that's anything but loud and definitely not quiet or under the radar, like you had mentioned earlier. So before we jump into the story and a little bit more of like all of the detail, I want to know for you, particularly being, I guess, technically four generations into this business, 73 years in, why do you do this? Why are you still doing it? I mean, you, you've obviously had a, an immense amount of success, even on your own and then now in the business, and you're still after it. Why? Yeah. Well, honestly, because of my family, like, you know, that's the reason I'm into it. So that's the reason that I have the opportunity, which I'm really grateful for. But at the same time, right. I want to continue the legacy and make it even stronger, you know, and pass it down to my kids, you know, take care of my kids financially, but give them the opportunity to continue it after me and leave it in a really good place for them if they decide to go that route, you know, but not only my true family, but actually my work family as well. So, you know, as of today, we have 31 team members that work at Gunner, and I look at it as my responsibility to take care of them financially. Like I love seeing them pull up in new vehicles or telling me about a, a new fishing boat that they bought or they took their family on vacation. Like that's really important to me to feel like I'm, you know, in part responsibility for them and their family's financial stability and success too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big weight. We talk about this, you know, the weight of the crown as a king, but the, the, the responsibility of power, because you can use that power in, in a lot of different ways, but it sounds like you're pretty excited about using it in the right way. Why do you think that you're, why do you think that you're driven like that? Where you wear, you know, someone else's financial success, you know, or you know, being responsible to like being helping, you know, their, their success is your success. Why do you think that you're wired that way? Yeah. You know, I think empathy is something that you kind of learn growing up. And honestly, I would say I get that from my mom, you know, so everyone is a little bit different, but I feel like she's a very empathetic person that always puts herself in other people's shoes. And I feel like in order to be successful, we need to have very team members that are very passionate about being there. Right. And so in order to be passionate about being there, like they need to know that I care about them, you know, and that I want them to succeed. And then, you know, in turn, they take care of our customers, you know, so I don't know. I, I think it's kind of comes natural. I don't think, I don't think uh, everyone is necessarily like that, but I've always cared about what other people think, whether it's people on my teams and old jobs or, you know, obviously my work team now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that whether it's learned behavior or or more innate, I think that it it is a part of a requirement, at least it's of getting a bigger business, right? Like once you have more people that are counting on you, that's that's what we talk about with you know king mindset is that you can't step into that if you're not more concerned about you know their success or helping them get what they want than your own. Otherwise, it it usually implodes pretty quickly because the selfishness kind of comes out. You know what I mean? And that's honestly one of the my favorite parts of my week or my day is like if there's an issue whether it's someone's having an issue with their health insurance plan or, you know, something like that or something personal. I love jumping in and doing what I can do to make it better and correct the situation and get yeah. them back on track. Like that, that is very rewarding to me personally. Yeah. hundred percent. I totally agree with you. I had a team member this last year in 22, I believe. Yeah. Early 22. She bought her first house and she didn't call her parents. She didn't call friends. She called me yeah. and it was like, which like when you look at her situation, it makes perfect sense, but 
it, I didn't, I didn't lose that feeling of like, wow, like I'm that person to her who can help or even just guide financially or be able to make good decisions, whatever made her want to make the call. It's exactly what you're talking about, which is when you give in that way, it actually paves like a foundation of them knowing that like, you'll be that person for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she looks up to you, you know, so you're the one that she wants to go to with that news. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So let's get into your story a little bit. You personally were in the corporate world and you were not on track necessarily to take over the family business, but you did. So give us a little bit of the story there. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I went to college and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I always liked writing and I always liked communicating. So my degree was in journalism. Honestly, okay. I thought I want to be like a sports writer for a newspaper. And this wow. was you know, as social media was just beginning, honestly. So I, I graduated, it was in the middle of the recession, 2008, and I couldn't get a job in my field. Ad agencies were laying people off, you know, even though I felt like my work was decent, I was told it was decent, like I wasn't getting much traction. So right. I was like, ah, you know, I need to figure something out here. But at the same time, companies were just getting on board with social media but it was brand new and people that had been working there for 20 or 30 years, they don't know what they're doing, you know, so they needed someone that actually was in it to help them navigate that and launch it. So yeah. I had an opportunity to work for a company called Merits in St. Louis, a travel incentive company, launched social media for them, moved to a casino company, Pinnacle Entertainment, and, you know, 20, 30 casinos across the country, including Four Seasons Hotel in St. Louis. They were the owner of that property. So I worked for Four Seasons as well. And that was amazing because they are known for customer service. You know, in terms of hospitality, that's the number one company in terms yeah. of best practices. So I got to see firsthand, I worked with their leadership team, with their executive chef, with their general manager, with their head of hospitality every day almost. So I got to see the ins and outs of how that works and how you really succeed. And that was, you know, pretty much my first job, like one of my first jobs. So, you know, that was as I was learning really what was natural and normal to me, right. even though it was like, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. I, and then, so I moved to an ad agency where I oversaw social for a couple other big brands, moved, you know, Calaris, which had famous footwear and a bunch of shoe brands. And so then you get to have a bigger budget to work with for paid. Right. So the targeting, you see right. how the ad network works, you see, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and all the platforms to see how they work and to see really how to target, how to capture attention. Yeah. And it was good, it, you know, but honestly, when I looked out 10 years or 20 years down the road and I thought about, all right, on Friday afternoons, do I really want to be sitting here at five o'clock, right? In a meeting, do I really want to be traveling every, you know, almost every week? And so I, I kind of just, it was good for what it was, you know, like right. moved up pretty quickly. I liked my job. I liked my team members. And I just, you know, like I said, my grandpa and my dad at that same time were looking to kind of retire and it just kind of fit. It just, it just happened all at the same time yeah. to where it was this opportunity came about. I wanted to do my own thing. And I think what I did learn from those jobs was hugely important in terms of leadership, in terms of marketing, in terms of oh, yeah. HR and things with the company now that I wouldn't have had, honestly. Right. I right. just jumped straight to gutter right after college, which I probably could have, but it, it paid off much more to have those other experiences. And so that's been about it. So I've been at Gunner about three years and started 
you know, when I first started, it was just mostly marketing focus and learning the business, learning the financials. And now I'm the president of the company. I've been, I think, for about a year and a half. And it feels really smooth now and really, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty seamless. What, why do you think, or maybe maybe it was conversation when you were growing up, I mean, I'm, it, this is a multi-generational business and you didn't, you didn't lead on to the, like, my dad was wanting me to do it. Um, I, mm-hmm. I just, you just, you went over this way. Was that like a conversation you guys had beforehand before you left to go to school? Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like since I was a little kid, it's always maybe been in my dad's mind and he's brought up, you know, every several years, it's not something that he like, yeah. just like letting you know, like it's on the table. Like if uh-huh. you, if you want this, like there's not very many fourth generation businesses, so this would be very rare you know, if you wanted to do this. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes as a kid, especially as a teenager, you kind of, you hear it, but you don't hear it. You know what I mean? Like you right. don't really acknowledge it. And so it's just, I, I definitely, as I thought about my career in high school and in college, I didn't, I didn't think of it. I didn't see it. You know, I wanted to do my own thing that was more in my skill set and things like that. Yeah. And then it just came back and at the right. Would you say, I mean, the sentence that you just used there, something more in my skill set, do you think that you've been able to learn through the process of now doing kind of not just your skill set, but learning the other areas of the business and being an entrepreneur that I guess I'm trying to correlate this to the listener. They're listening and going, and maybe they're good at a specific trade or maybe they're good at marketing like you, but they have this specific you know, skill set and they're struggling on running a business, let's say, or just all the other you know, aspects. The skill itself of just running a business, it's a whole nother, another skill. So what would you say to that person right there that was maybe like you that didn't think that they were you know, to be in business because they wanted to like hone in on a certain skill, but they are now? What would you say to that person listening? I would say it's really important to surround yourself with people that fill in for your weaknesses. And I do that. You know what I mean? Like so finances maybe necessarily aren't my strengths. So we have a really good financial team, like really good financial partner, like kind of an outsourced CMO yeah. and account. So I would say the key is to really surround yourself with people that you feel comfortable with, that you know, know what they're doing in those areas so that you can focus on your strength. So if your strength is like on the execution side, if it's like an insurance business and your strength is selling insurance, surround yourself with the good office people or the good salespeople, you know, and you focus on that. Because I've found that like by doubling down on your strengths, it's much more powerful than trying to improve your weaknesses and get them back up to like an average. Because right. whatever it was that got you there, which was your strength, like that's what you need to focus on, honestly. Right. And so it's like personally, I feel like my strengths are in marketing and are in HR, like communicating with our customers, with our team members. You know, so in terms of the operations, of pest management and of lawn care, I'm not the expert by any means in the company, but we have people that have 30 years of experience, you know, that are leading those teams. You know, and you want to learn, of course, you know, you want to know what it is that they're doing, of course. It wouldn't be a good use of my time to try to jump in and be the expert in all of those areas. So I would just say focus on your strengths, surround yourself with good people that can fill in the gaps. Yeah, that's great, man. Appreciate that. It's a great word. Let's go to a little bit more practical angle here. I want to know like decisions. I'm a big decisions guy, good, bad. I'm not afraid of failure, but at the same time, making good choices is very, very important. I want to know of a good choice that you've made, maybe in your career, but maybe specifically as the president now. In business, it was something that you can look back on and go, okay, this this one thing right here really led to a lot of our success. 
What is that? Sure. So I would say naturally I'm fairly introverted and in my past jobs, didn't go to a lot of conferences and the ones I went to, I felt like I didn't get a lot from a lot of value, but our industry is actually set up really well. It has a few very unique conferences. I feel like have been extremely rewarding to me, which in turn has really helped their business. So there's one conference called the Academy where essentially it's broken up into like 10 teams. And it's like Olympics for the week where there's all these challenges and some are physical. I mean, there's tug of war, things like that, but then also some are mental or some are creative and things like that. And wow. what it does is it forces you to interact with your team. And personally, I'm very competitive and like to win. <laughs> so it's like, I'm all in that, like focused on how can we win these? And there's the guest speakers and things like that too. But what it creates is an environment where this business owner that maybe I was a little bit shy to talk to, it's like, oh, we're, we got to figure this thing out for this next event. Oh, and by the way, what do you guys use for your payroll? You know, <laughs> what do you guys use for HR? Like how many employees do you have? You know, things like that. And so that's enabled me to learn about the business because in our team, my work, everyone's been there for 20 or 30 years and, yeah. you know, you know, that's had a lot of success, but you're set in your ways sometimes. So it's nice to branch out and see what other people are doing that are successful. And so just after a few years, I'm close with some of those people, like real close that are in different right. parts of the country, Florida or Minnesota or Texas or wherever, where I can check in with them the next year. Like, how'd you guys do last year? How many people did you add? You know, did you add any new services? And, and that's, you know, from a process standpoint, and then also just picking up different tactical things. Like it's been very, very valuable to me. Yeah. And so I would say the decision to commit to going to those conferences, especially like in the busy season, you could argue, could that time be spent better elsewhere? But I feel like that's been very important. Yeah. You gave just a lot of principles there. And I want to just try to bring them out for the listener. Number one, you said you're introverted. And so it's unnatural to want to be around a bunch of people, whether it's at a conference or a lot of the, what you just described as far as like getting people in an environment where they can intentionally connect is exactly what we do inside of Gathering the Kings. And so it's like, if you can put together a room of high quality individuals, what you're saying is even as an introvert, it's worth it to get into that room. Two day conference, mastermind group, peer group, you know, whatever the, whatever we want to call the different opportunities, because there's plenty, even this right here, right? Like even this right here, it's a, it's a, it's a free scenario. Someone's listening right now, but they get to, they get to get to know you a little bit, maybe connect with you afterwards. It's the same thing. So introvert, still press in because there's value in, in people, um, maybe get around some people that are also active and like to win and like to do activities that might be helpful. The second thing I heard you say is that, that not only just getting around those people is good. Yes. Relationships are good, but then you can then collaborate. And that's what I found too. Typically someone at a seven or eight, even nine figure level, it's not really, I'm not looking for answers per se. That's, you know, I, I find the smaller business owners looking for answers and coaching, but the bigger business owners, it's like this peer to peer collaboration. I want to just I want to throw a situation before you and like watch you think, you know, exactly. and, and you do the same thing with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be like, so, oh, we're thinking about acquiring this business. Here's the scenario. Like, what yep. do you think about it? You know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And help me analyze it. Let me see. Can you see anything that I don't see? And so it doesn't mean that as a big business owner, we have it all figured out or that we don't need answers. That's not what I mean. I just mean the setting of which we kind of get our answers, quote unquote, is typically what I'm finding in that scenario you just described where we're kind of rubbing shoulders with like-minded individuals. And then it kind of comes out naturally where we're like, hey, 
what do you do for this? Or, hey, let me throw the situation in front of you. Let me see how you think about it. There's a lot you of don't growth. process scenario day to day when you're operating. You know, right. so you almost define it. You have to create, carve out the time to create that. Yeah. A hundred. Yes. And which is my third thing that you said, I want to plot for the listener is that you said, even in your busy season, it's probably even more important. It feels like it's not important because it's the busy season, but it's probably even more important during that time for you to be able to to take that mindset time for you and for your team. It is, it is. And it, it kind of like re-energizes you too, like kind of yeah. hits the reset button in some ways to be like, oh, we need to think about this a little bit. Differently. Yep, love that. All right, let's flip the coin here. And Noah, tell me about a bad decision that you've made that just did not work out well. How? What can we stay away from? So in the beginning, in 2020, we hired some people that did not work out. You know, we made some bad hires. I mean, there's yeah. no other way to say it. We made some bad hires. And the reason was, you know, in my background, I definitely interviewed people, but it was HR kind of created the whole framework, the HR team. And it was more of just like I was asking very tactical, specific questions about the role. And, you know, in my background, I'm used to people that ha all have college degrees that are like, Basically, I'm hiring for technical roles like social media or graphic design or videography, you know, yeah. and I can see their work, right? But with pest control and lawn care, we're looking for people generally that don't have experience. And so you can kind of gauge it off their personality, but we were essentially just winging it and we hired some people that just did not work out. And yeah. so what I realized was we needed to go back and create framework around the interviews and criteria around the interviews. That's right. So that it wasn't just subjective of like, oh yeah, I like their personality. I think they would work out to where now we have core values specifically to, all right, now we can, you know, three of us interview this person. We go through the list of core values. Do we really right. think we would check these boxes and have more specific questions? And, you know, also one other thing we did was looked at the job market and realized for our entry level folks, we were underpaying them a little bit. You know, maybe we were just a little bit behind the scale. So we address that and you know, the combination of that and then having the core values and the criteria in place, we could get much better candidates. So for instance, this year in 2023, we've hired eight people in the last six weeks and wow. they've all been great so far, every yeah. single one, which I feel like that's a, a pretty good success rate compared to maybe what we've seen in the past. I should knock on wood when I say that. <laughs> That's right. so well, I love the practicality there of, of not only, yeah, you're right in a corporate America a setting, you're hiring a specialist, someone who's like highly trained in this specific skill. And, and the listener might be building a, a business similar to yours in a different part of the country, maybe. And they're wondering, how do I find good people? And I, I love what you did there. You, you based it on the core values, which is really what the team should be built around. And then, and then some specific questions, situational questions, right? I can get to know somebody. Of course, I also use culture index and other personality assessments that, that can help me understand who this person is or what their tendencies are. But the reality remains the same is that you got to get to know them in a different way other than just, how do I feel about it? And sometimes it can be very general questions where you just leave it open for them and they'll tell you what you want to hear or what you don't want to hear. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, as simple as why did you apply to work Guncher, you know, why our specific company, you could have chosen a hundred, why us? You yeah. know what I mean? And then it tells you, do they talk about our tradition? Do they talk about hard work? Do they talk about have they done any like, research? what is important to them? Or, or do they jump straight into what they didn't like about their last job? Cause then it's like, right. 
or is this kind of a more negative person? You know what I mean? So. Yeah, a lot of like a lot of telltales when it comes mm-hmm. to to that. One one quick thing, I'll I'll share this with the listener. Maybe it'll be helpful for you even with your salespeople. But I used to interview hundreds and hundreds of salespeople. I've built many sales teams, and I would in the interview I would play catchphrase with them. I'd have a catchphrase, you know, a little deal where you have to describe the word without saying the word. I have to get you to say the word without mm-hmm. actually saying the word. And so I'd, I'd say, okay, hey, we're going to play. Do you understand how to play? If they didn't, I'd t- teach them the rules. And then I'd play with them back and forth. And not only, not only is that like just kind of odd and a little bit funny and, and different. So it kind of caught them off guard a little bit. But even in the game itself, I knew like functionally in their brain, if they could describe to me or get me to share, like say this word without saying the word, then they had some sort of a communication skill. And on top of that, it was like in the moment, it wasn't planned. And so I was looking at certain skill sets and traits that that person would be able to do that well, because that I was hiring a cold caller. I needed somebody to be able to jump on a phone. That is a good one. Yeah, because you have to be prepared without a lot of information and take it as it comes, you know. Take it as it comes. That's a good approach for sure. Yeah. All right. So what about like decisions as they come across your desk, Noah? Um, Today, you're obviously a high level thinker. You've probably got a process of sorts. Do you have any sort of like, you know, natural, like I take these four steps to make a good decision, anything like that? I wouldn't say I have an approach specifically for decisions because I would say they're all a little bit different. And because when you own the business, it's everything, right? And some decisions I need to make myself and then some I leave up to our team. So it really depends on what it is. I would say I don't like winging it. I don't like rushing a decision though. So I really like to, so I'll give you an example or a story of like, uh, we felt like we were a little bit underpriced for our regular pest control service for residential. And so we took an approach where we called all of our competitors, honestly, and really analyzed and, and figured what do, what do their programs include? What do they not include? How much is it a year? Do they have cancellation fees? to really determine what else is out there to where if it was a new homeowner that was new to the area and they were calling around, how could we position ourselves to win, you know, in terms of our value and in terms of the cost and everything that we were offering. And so really take your time and analyze what's most important to you. You know, what, what is the end goal? And, you know, once you've kind of have all the facts, I feel like it's important to have as much information as you then make the decision and don't, you know, regret it. Like sometimes you're not going to succeed every time, whether it's a bad hire or something like that. But if yeah. you had all the data that you need, you felt confident in the decision, it was for the right reason. If you win a lot more of those than you lose, you're going to be successful. Yeah, that's great, great points and insight. I hope the listener's paying attention. If you need to rewind that, I would suggest highly. <laughs> he just gave he just gave you a really, really great formula. Noah, I'm going to take us to our speed round here. My first question, the speed round is always the same. And it's around KPIs. There's a lot of things to track in a business, but if you could only pick one, what would it be? Google review rating. Okay. Tell us Overall rating on Google. And here's why. So it tracks customer happiness and customer happiness comes from your employee happiness, right? If your employees are happy, they're going to take care of your customers. So if you have happy customers and you have happy employees, the financial results are going to take care of themselves. So to me, that's, if I only could have one, that would be. I love how you gave us the stair-step approach of what one means to the other, because um, you're right. Ultimately, it means that the business is growing, the financials are right, but there's uh, there's some key indicators there around the reviews, especially in a service company. I mean, my goodness, like that's where we all go. We go to Google. 
right? Until until there's another AI tool out there that tells me otherwise. Yeah, if it's a B2B company, like obviously there are exceptions, but yes, exactly. I'm thinking of my own business. So for service, that is the number one. It's oh, really yeah. Yeah, like easy, easy choice. Okay, Noah, what book or resource would you recommend for a business owner trying to grow? Sure, so Attraction by Gino Wickman. I'm not sure if you've heard that, probably so. Oh, yeah. And so when I went to the, uh, some of those conferences in that first year, three or four or five different business owners in different conversations all recommended that book to me. You know, basically I told them about my story starting and yeah. that's what they recommended. And I will say, you don't have to use a, the exact framework for every single thing when it comes to the goals and the core values and the org chart, but you should yeah. have a version of all of those. Like yeah. those are all very important steps as you're looking to grow because you know, if you, if you're, let's say a plumber and first year the plumber, and then you decide to have, hire a plumber, and then now you have five plumbers in the beginning, you can wing it and you can do what you've always done. But after that, you need some processes, you need some framework, or it's going to be a lot harder for you and it's going to be a lot less fun. So I feel yeah. like that's a good book to, to, to just present like framework in general, and then you can tailor it a little bit to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Great book. Great re recommendation. Have you read Rocket Fuel? I don't think so. It's just, it's just another book of Gino's. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend it. He goes a little bit further into the visionary integrator mm. talk and even has the, uh, the, the little survey. Well, I guess not survey, uh, an assessment in there. So highly recommend that as well. What, uh, what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I do like it. And yeah. Maybe it's a little bit industry specific because like I said, in my last jobs that were more corporate, I feel like. I didn't get as much out of it, but yeah. I feel like if you are the one that owns the business and you can get to a mastermind where you are working with other people that do own their own businesses too, it is very valuable. Like I found it to be very valuable, even if you are a little bit naturally introverted like me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. What would you say for the listener right now who maybe is like you, introverted, or maybe hasn't taking a chance at going to a conference or joining a peer-to-peer -peer group or something like that, what would you, what would you encourage them with? I would say, do your research for your industry and see what is out there. And yeah. you know, if it's, even if it's one function that you want to improve, like let's say you want your business to get better at market, yeah. right? Look out there and see what's out there. It doesn't have to be for your industry, but I would say what think about what your goal is, right? Are you trying to have more sales this year? Are you trying to have more, you know, team member happiness? Like focus on those and then figure out like what's a good conference for me to try and you know that route. Love it. Love the the intentionality behind it. I got I got a question for you about family, Noah, and then we'll try to wrap this thing up here. We, I know we had talked about uh, before we hit the recording button here about our kiddos, but I want to know building this business it obviously takes a certain level of obsession. You've seen the obsession in your dad and your grandfather, I'm sure. How have they, or how did they, or how do you keep the same level of obsession? with your wife and kids. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I feel like it it is nice to own your own business in a lot of ways because you're in control of your own schedule, but at the same time, you can't leave it at five o'clock, right? Like yeah. everyone else. So one story that, you know, I kind of always will remember is growing up as a kid, my dad would go in on Saturday mornings to the office and he would bring my sister and I, so my mom could go do her own thing for a while, you know? And he would create routes and things like that. So in, unless we were out of town or at a sports game, like we'd be there from, let's say nine to noon where he could work a little bit. We would go across the street to Burger King. He'd give us $5 to get some breakfast, come back and kind of play and hang out. But 
you know, the work ethic piece stuck with me. And at the same time, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. You know, I didn't feel like it was less time with my dad, you know, even though he was working, like it showed me the value of hard work, but at the same time, I got to spend time with him too. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to, a lot of the time I can work from home now. And so, you know, if my kids are on break or, you know, they're off school that day, things like that, I can interact with them. And, you know, in terms of translating that into my relationships with my family, I mean, I think the principles are the same. Like you show them that you care, you show them that they're very important to you and you explain like the value of work and what it means is like, if you work hard, you know, you can take care of yourself, you can take care of your family, you can go on fun trips and, you know, you can have, you know, your sports teams and all the fun stuff that you guys like to do. Yeah. Uh, that comes from working hard. And, you know, and, and I think in terms of creating balance, it, it does overlap a little bit more. Like if you're an entrepreneur, it really does. And I think it's just try to focus on one as at a time, as much as you can. When you're with your kids, don't be distracted on the phone, you know, and if you're working, try not to be doing kids stuff. And obviously it's going to pop up from time to time, but really try to focus on one at a time is what's worked for me. Love it. Great, great, honest and authentic answers. No, I got one last question here for you. If you could whisper in the younger Noah's ear, what would you say? I would say probably take more chances early on. You know what I mean? So I went, I would say more of a traditional safe route. But part of me wishes I went, you know, more extreme in my own thing and maybe started my own business and not just follow the corporate path. I feel like no matter if it's, if you're in a corporate job, if you own your own business, think of ways to go outside the box a little bit more and take bigger risks, especially if you're in your twenties, you know, you can always come back from that. You're probably not going to be much worse off when you hit 30 than you would have been otherwise. So go for it, honestly, is what I would have told myself. And it's worked out, but I feel like advice to younger folks is really try something that you're passionate about and that you think has home run potential. And if it doesn't, it's going to be okay. Anyway. Yeah. Do you take that same whisper into, you know, new initiatives, new services that maybe you want to add to the business, new, you know, like some, some decisions that maybe like that? inside the constructs of what you've built? I would say so. I would say so. It's interesting when you have a company that's been around for 70 years, right? So <laughs> there's a formula for success. And so you would think maybe there's not a lot of juice to squeeze, but I will say over the last three years, we've changed a lot. We've changed almost everything, to be honest. And like I said, I think it helps having the background from an outside world, if you will, to where we can come in and change things. So yeah, yeah. so like... Yes, let's do a lot more advertising on social media. Let's have our messages be a lot more kind of out there than what they would have traditionally been. And let's raise our prices. Let's pay our team more. Let's like actually make some changes that are going to be meaningful and see what happens. You know, we could always go back. So we've made a lot of changes and it's paid off. I mean, honestly, from three years ago, our, our gross revenue is up about 50% from where it was after 70 years grow like that in three years feels good. And, you know, so hopefully we can kind of stay on that track. And I, I think you just have to look at what the opportunities are. Like, like I was saying, when you make a decision, you get the facts, you get the data. And if it feels right, you make the decision, you know, and you go for it. If you make the right decision more than you don't, it's going to, it's going to pay off. Yeah. Love that. Well, I want to give you a chance to, to tell us how we can connect with you. Of course, if someone's in the Kansas city Metro, 
and they need bugs removed or mosquitoes sprayed for or their lawn taken care of, how can they find you? And then, of course, if they're a business owner and they want to pick your brain, how can they find you that way as well? For sure. Yeah. So our business, I mean, yeah, if you're in the Kansas City area, you can call us at 816-444-BUGS. We've had that number for over 50 years. Awesome. And our website is gunterpest.com. So yeah, we do traditional pest control, not only for homeowners, but also business owners. So if you own your own business, you know, and you want some help there with bugs or with mice, we'll be happy to help you out. And then personally, probably LinkedIn is the best way. Just search my name, Noah Bashir on there. You'll find me happy to connect, happy to talk about anything you would like to. And I'm sure I could learn more than, you know, I could give. So I'm definitely yeah. a- Well, that's a great, great, humble perspective to have, but you've been incredible here today. Thank you for just giving of your story of your time, but also just really, really practical things. I feel like if someone genuinely listened to this and took some good notes that they could actually go put some things into the business that that could change the trajectory for them. So thank you, Noah, and your family. Blessings on your team. All that you put your hand to in 23. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chaz. You know, it's been great. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.